Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Better call! Heavy hey! What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition. I'm Guy, that's John. It's Haber Middle Middlecoff. We are live on YouTube where you can uh, watch us after the fact as well. Uh, if you're watching us live, great. Great to have you. Hit that uh, like button. We appreciate that. That helps out the channel. Hit the subscribe button. We appreciate that. That helps grow the channel. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, as John likes to say. Also, if you're listening to this podcast, you have no idea how much you matter. Thank you for downloading, subscribing. Uh, Hit us with a five-star review. We really appreciate that on Apple Podcasts. Ask a question in your review. That's how you get in the handmail bag. We love you guys, man. Love you. Love you guys. Uh, as uh, as we record this, we are uh, watching baseball. We've got uh, NBA opening night on um, Tuesday night. Jim Ursay is uh, trying to fire Dan Snyder. And uh, I don't know. The Niners are just trying to get through a Tuesday without another injury. So a lot going on today. All rise, baby. Uh, Eric on the stream says, breaking news, Middlecoff has located his hat. Yeah, you, you finally got some of your melon hats. You know what we sh- the fo- the Fresno State football should do is just have an Aaron Judge day, but you know for the football game, like have him at halftime. Great idea. <laughs> you know, like in a like November game next year, like I would just have Aaron Judge night. Yeah, why not? And him and number ninety nine, David Perales. I think they did Paul George night a couple years ago. You'd be stupid not to play Big the nine nine. Just bring Aaron Judge out in a whole football uniform. See if you can throw him a pass in the red zone. Yeah. Did you see a video somebody posted during Monday Night Football of Justin Herbert kicking field goals in high school? No. Were they deep? It was like, you know, crappy video because it's high school and it's somebody filming from the field. And you see the guy, you see the line and it's like a 15-yard field goal attempt. And then the ball just rockets way past the uprights. You know, like it was more than enough leg. But uh, they didn't they didn't need that on. On that money, that I guess, like an Andy Reid punt, pass, and kick, but I guess exactly. he, would been, he would, but he would have been like 16, 17. He, he's from Eugene, right? He's from Eugene, yeah, yeah. Andy Reid punt, pass, and kick. Think one. about this guy. Helfrich technically signed him, correct? Mario inherited. Uh, I think Arroyo. I mean, well, now, yeah, but I mean, Helfrich would have been the head coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's, so it, mainly in his career, his oh, best coach by far at least in terms of accomplishments, would be Mario Cristobal, who 
Fantastic. Really? I mean, Helfrich have been to the playoff. Okay, so Mark Helfrich, you can't get a job. Mario, who's known as a recruiter, not an offensive genius. Anthony Lynn, and then Brandon Staley. It's not, you know, he's not on the Jimmy G, Mac Jones, uh, Nick Saban, Belichick, Belichick, Kyle. And we can question Kyle. We'll dive into that a little later. But Yeah, well, yeah, we will get into that. Um, by the way, before we go any further, I mean, last yesterday, Monday, Monday night football was October 18th. Today's October 8th, uh, or I guess Monday night football was the 17th. Today's the 18th. Uh, this might, we might have a tweet of the year winner. Uh, right. we had a lot of retweets. Well, this is as of several hours ago. Uh, it had basically 5,500 likes and 631 retweets. You want to make a one sheet to talk about social impressions on Twitter? Uh, Bronco, for those of you who didn't see it, Broncos defense calling a team only meeting, but only inviting Russ. And then it's just a photo from, uh, what is that, Goodfellas? When they bring Joe Pesci in to kill him, he thinks he's, does he think he's about to get made in that scene? I think he does, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, you know, the thing good. with mob movies, and I don't know, you know, and I've, I'm a, I'm a sucker for mob stuff. People that are doing the killing never look like, SEAL Team 6 members. I mean, look at these two guys. Like, in my mind, it's just like some fat guy, now, he, and he's got a little revolver, and he shoots you in the head. But he's never, like, if he had to run or climb out of there, like, right. that's not yeah. on the table. No. You know? Yeah. Well, there is a scene in one of the, uh, I don't remember which season of uh, The Sopranos, where they beat a guy, they put him in the trunk. Yeah, they uh, get lost in the woods. They get lost, and the shoot, the, the, like... The running is too much for them. The shooting while running is an impossibility. It's very inaccurate. Yeah, you're right. They are. Well, they think are. about the two people, guy. It's Chrissy, who's a drug addict, and and Polly Walnuts, who's old. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. Real life. And I saw Chrissy's in some new. Uh, I think season two of Black White Lotus. I've never watched the show, but I just saw a promo for it yesterday. Well, White Lotus is a good watch, guy. Is it? Well, it looks like he. There's a bunch of people in season two. And, <laughs> Um, he's one of them, I think, from what, from what I saw in the preview. John, we are sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Uh, we love it. It is number one. You love it. Mike Pereira loves it. Uh, who doesn't love Tito's Handmade Vodka? It is America's original craft vodka. In 95, Tito Beverage, the man himself, built his very own distillery. He went all in, put his life savings into it, and then he just started winning. And he hasn't stopped winning since. Unanimous judges, choice double gold medals at the World Spirits Competition, uh, the Chairman's Trophy for the World's Best Vodka Tonic, many others. And, um, well, it's the official drink of of ham, so that's an award right there. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the Guardians are going to need some Tito's and sodas after they get their ass kicked by the Yankees. And, um, yeah, I bet Lincoln Riley had a few Tito's and sodas on his flight home from Salt Lake City after losing to the Utah Utes. Kyle Whittingham might have had some victorious. With an NFL executive years ago after a massive win, they were on a pri- they were hopping on a private jet. They're like, we're about to crack, open the vodka, and enjoy ourselves on the flight home. They were drinking Tito's. Everyone's drinking Tito's. If you're not, go buy yourself a bottle of Tito's, share it with your friends, have some cocktails. Have a good time. And send us a photo of it. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm partial to the Tito's and ginger, Tito's and ginger beer. Maybe the Tito's and uh, uh, Arnold Palmer. You turned it into a John Daly. That's a great one. Um, we always get – I find that we get people photo uh, photos of John Daly's on golf courses on Mondays a lot. So shout out to all our <laughs> listeners who are golfing on Mondays. And um, 
you can go check out some more recipes if you want to mix it up. Some great Halloween-themed drinks. You got people coming over for the holidays. You know what an old faithful is that I feel has been lost in the shuffle as uh, in modern times is the screwdriver. Just orange juice and a little vodka. (laughs) Very, very simple. I, I just don't see that like in the mix as much anymore. I don't know, but. In a bottle of crystal geyser. <laughs> yeah, that's Flash you know, easy. Yeah, easy way to get into a football game, high school football. No, it's no. You got to be over 21. Uh, I learned more. Uh, yeah. Tito'sVodka.com, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. We are also brought to you today by DraftKings. DraftKings, baby. DraftKings Sportsbook. Basketball is back. Tip the NBA season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Use the code HAM when you sign up. Yep, do it now. Check this out, guy. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost the winning 100% with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Same game parlays. How about this? Over tonight, Steph Curry. Over tonight, Jordan Poole, the third splash bro, mm. and the Warriors to cover. I, if I look up tonight, stop paying attention like the third quarter because they're up like 40. I would guess the Warriors win this game by 25 points. 25 plus. I like the Warriors a lot. I, I can envision Russell Westbrook getting run, tossed. Uh, love a good same game parlay with some overs on point totals from the splash bros. Pick two of the three. I mean, you could add Clay in there if you want. Well, and, I, one, uh, I, I think Clay is going to have a great year. But one thing that Steve Kerr has said is that every you know people are still playing their way into shape. So I don't know that we're going to get like all of Clay Thompson's minutes. He tonight, did Instagram but... the Mamba mentality stuff. You know, okay. You well, see that Kobe signed a book and just his signature, his uh, his like uh, statement to him was just yeah. rings, 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 rings. Well, that's you know that's worth something. <laughs> yeah. So here, guy, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code HAM. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code HAM. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There you go. Um, There you go. I I think people don't – I say people. How – here's just – let me just put into context how incredible the Steph Curry era has been for the Warriors. When Steph Curry came to the Warriors, they were a joke of a franchise. Agreed? Yeah. Okay. The Warriors are now third all-time in NBA championships behind the Lakers and the Celtics. Think about that. More titles than the Spurs, more titles than the Bulls. The Warriors have seven. More titles than the 76ers, the Pistons, obviously like the Pacers, the Rockets. Third. Lakers have 17. Celtics have 17. The Warriors are third. Do you expect them to win this group's fifth this year? Expect is hard, but if you're asking me to pick a team to win the championship, I would pick them to repeat, yes. Yeah, I would pick them. I think whoever comes out of the East can be a mother, you know, whether it's Milwaukee I, or, you know, I, I think I would definitely pick them to win the West. Yeah, I think it's going to be Brooklyn. Who do you think is coming out of the East? You think those guys are going to stay together this year? I think they'll figure it out, yeah. <laughs> Not figure it out, but yes. If you could sign up for a series, would it be Brooklyn and Golden State? Without NBA? question. <laughs> I, well, I'm in. I, I I feel like they have a chance to be like 35 and 52 or something. You know? <laughs> Does that get you in, you think? 
Uh, not in the well. I guess they added the playing. Do you think the Kings are going to get a lot of a lot of playing Kings buzz? You know, John. Uh, I think we're going on twelve years in a row that there's a lot of preseason buzz for the Kings. So, yeah, maybe this is the year. Well, do you see with the Phillies making the playoffs for the first time in ten years, the Kings now are the longest running. Maybe they already were because the Kings have been longer than that. But well, the the Mariners made it and it had been twenty one years. Was that part okay? Of the- oh yeah, that's what it was. The Mariners did it. And then the Phillies were on the list too. They're off the list. So I think the Kings are just by themselves in the a group. The Phillies were much shorter. The Phillies, yeah, the Phillies were 2010. The, 2010. the Kings have made the championship. I mean, had made the postseason since the Phillies had made the postseason? No, because the Kings hadn't made it before 2010, right? They were like 07. Yeah, I didn't think so. So the Kings were yeah. longer than the Phillies anyway. Maybe it was the Phillies right behind the Kings, and now the Phillies are good. Yeah, yeah. But the Mariners <laughs> for sure. Yeah, the Mariners were one. They're good. Shit, I mean, even the Lions made it like a couple times over the last decade. Shit, the Raiders. You know, I mean, you can't make the playoffs. More than half the teams make the playoffs in the league. Yeah, I like the Warriors. Yeah, okay. We both like the Warriors. Uh, let's talk about a guy that's um, been a big talking point here in the last few days, and that's Kyle Shanahan. And there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of theories. I don't know if you saw Tim Kawakami's theory, John. Did you see Tim's theory? Lifetime record now, if you factor in playoffs, is under 500. Kyle's record under 500, yeah. He has been to – I mean, I do think it's fair when someone brings it up to say he's been to two conference championship games in a Super Bowl. I think it's a lot easier to argue. Like, you remember Andy Reid, like, couldn't get over the hump. It was like, yeah, he had a winning record and he had all those NFC championships. Sure. Kyle's is like, well, what about the three years where you're really shitty? We're like, what about the two years when he's making runs? Yeah. What about his overall record? It'd be nice if it was like, yeah, he's 20 games over 500, got right. some flaws, hasn't won a Super Bowl. Like, if, if you are anti-Kyle, you do feel pretty good about the land you stand on, right? Sure. Yeah, I think. But but I also think the counter is stronger than his record looks on paper based four, on four playoff wins, the heights that he's been to. I do think it's a fair argument, and I do think it's I, I do think the counter is also fair. Um, I did, uh, but Kawakami had a theory. I did not. I did not. Yeah, so no, Kawakami had a theory that the that I'm not saying this is the way to go. Declining to get as as many offensive plays in as possible when you're down 14 points, um, and that severely reduced the Niners' chance to win the game. We know we saw. But also, by playing it slow and eating up that much clock, Shanahan essentially deleted maybe eight to ten plays from the game, which also reduced their chances of incurring more injuries, especially on defense. What do you think of that theory? Because I have a theory off of this theory. Did you see the Packers game the other day when Jordan Love came in? And they were down, I think, 17 points late in the game. And I text someone. Did Rodgers get hurt or they do they didn't bench him and someone immediately texts me back that's watching the Packer game. They they waved the white flag. Yeah. Right. And I, I think not, you, I was not still watching at that point, but you see the white flag rate uh waved a lot in NBA. You see it, you know, half the games in the NBA. Or tip off. Yeah, or the white flag is raised. But it, it, legitimate games, right, in the fourth quarter where the backups just stay in. In football, 14 points. 10 minutes left. That's pretty fucking insane. It, it, like, I'm not saying I, I don't mind a good theory and I don't mind like you add up the variables. That would be crazy if he's thinking like that because you have a chance to win in the NFL. All you are is a wouldn't the Monday night football game be a perfect example? You're a muffed punt away from just a, a fumble, a bad snap. You see it 
college football, and honestly, the pros, weird shit happens all the time. It's why even when you're sitting there on the couch going, they're going to lose the Falcons, you just, if you score one touchdown and get within one score within six, seven minutes, you do have a very, very good chance of being in position to not only win the game, but just you are very much alive. Yeah, I agree. And I, I've got a theory I want to bounce off you. I know you love a good theory. Because you aren't even close to the line of like, I got to on, I'm two scores and I got to do an onside kick. That's to me a pretty big stretch. Right. right. But Kyle, 10 minutes left, 14 points. Well, here, I, let me get to my theory for you and you tell me what you think. Before I do that, though, do you think, do you think that crossed his mind on that drive when it starts? I think it crossed. What, what did what cross his mind? Injuries. Like I'm, I'm conserving um, injuries. Yes. Yes. But not in the way Tim described. So let me give you my theory. So before I give you my theory, here is what happened, right? Because there was a there's an ongoing conversation about whether he hurried enough. Well, here are, and I'll read them for those listening, the amount of time on the play clock when the game clock was running at the snap of the ball. And what we'll find is that the Niners only snapped the ball in the fourth quarter with 20 or more seconds on the play clock. Actually, we'll call it 17 or more seconds on the play clock. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six times. Most of those were on first downs. But I'm going to just rattle off times on the play clock. The Niners get the ball down two touchdowns with 10 minutes and 42 seconds left. On the first play of the drive, they snap it with 20 seconds on the play clock. Good but, job. Uh, game clock's not running. So okay. it doesn't really yeah. matter. Here we go. Nine seconds, seven seconds. There was a six second, but then the clock got reset right before the snap. So I'll throw that one out. Six seconds. That's when they hit Ayuk, but there's a penalty. After the penalty, they snap the ball with four seconds. Clock stopped, correct? Uh, on that one, yes. Eight seconds. 24 seconds after a first down. We're at 547 now, okay? Two seconds. Not good. Before a third and 12 at the five-minute mark, Ayuk catches a first down. 25 seconds. Bam. It seemed like good when job. the Niners got a first down, they would then try to hurry, which is a thing that teams do. But snap infraction on Brendel, 12 seconds is when they snap it after that penalty. 26 seconds on second and 14, 17 seconds, 27 seconds on second and one, nine seconds on fourth and one. Well, you notice um, that stretch of 26, seven, 17, and 27. I mean, the clock is starting to really dip, right? I mean, you're starting really to get dipping. And I, and you're I getting close matters. to the two-minute warning by then. John, I think it mattered back in the third quarter at the end of the third quarter when they got the ball with 240 and they snapped it at six seconds, eight seconds, and nine seconds. Um, Like, that was... I, I think that was a problem because it was clear at the end of the third quarter that there, it was going to be really hard to have three more possessions, which usually you need... If you're down two scores, how many possessions do you need to take the lead? Down how many scores? You're down two scores. You're down 14 points. So how many possessions do you need? I mean, minute, multiple? <laughs> yeah, you usually would say you need three. And this is where we get to my theory, which is this. I think Kyle Shanahan was going to go for two and not play for overtime. I think he was going to end the game at the end of regulation. He was going to score a touchdown. He was going to kick off. He had all three of his timeouts when the Niners failed on that fourth down. He knew what Arthur Smith was going to do because it's what he would do. Arthur Smith was going to run it three times. They were going to call all three of their timeouts and they were going to get the ball back pretty quickly, which is actually what ended up happening was they called their timeouts. They got the ball back. The Falcons had to punt to them. It just didn't matter because the game was over.
But I think Kyle Shanahan was thinking about injuries. Is that when they went on their field goal drive? Yeah. <laughs> but I think Kyle Shanahan was thinking about injuries in the sense that he was not going to play overtime. And I I think what he was doing, and and maybe he would have liked to have had it quicker, I think you can call different plays and still snap the ball faster. But I think what he was trying to do, and this the Niners do everything kind of on these very thin margins. So when it goes bad, it goes really bad, right? Like they, it's it's like I've said this for for months now. It's like running the Princeton offense. Like it just has to be really precise. It's like being um, uh, uh, Virginia basketball with Tony Bennett. Like it has to be really precise. And if it's not working, it is it could blow up on you. And I think what he was trying to do was take time off the clock, only give Atlanta one more possession get the ball back because he had all three. He was not using timeouts. Get the ball back from Atlanta with like two and a half minutes. Get down the field, score, go for two. I think he was going to go for two to try and win the game and not go to overtime. I That is my theory. I think that's what Kyle Shanahan was thinking. It failed. It did not work. He ended up taking you, th- prob- you, you, you assumed he was going to go for two the first go around because that's what the numbers say or just. No, I, I think he was going to try and score a touchdown right there, right? On that drive that ended up failing on fourth down, score a touchdown, kick the extra point. He still had all three timeouts. He knows Arthur Smith's going to run the ball. Arthur Smith is not going to ask Mariota to do anything crazy. Maybe he would have thrown it on third down. Maybe, but maybe not. Get it back, score again, and then go for two. I think that's what Kyle Shanahan was thinking. If that is truly what he's thinking, that's a little nuts to me. Not not the two-point part, but the bleed the time and play it out perfectly because yeah. – I, I would say the conventional wisdom of any coach, once your back's against the wall in a fourth quarter, is to score as quickly as you can, right? You Because ha- it's just hard to score. Yeah. And it was hard for the 49ers to score. It's been hard for them to score this year. I, I saw someone wrote touchdowns in the second half minus the Panther game has not been pretty this year. Like they have not been some explosive second half offense. But to me, the number one argument just simply goes to basic situational fundamental football two things you should be able to run your offense not some breakneck one minute offense right kind of i think it's considered more the four minute offense which is a higher paced but you still have a little time four minute offense with 10 minutes you have to huddle every time no one's expecting you know lincoln riley mike leach offense but this is the National Football League. Can you run an offense without kind of consistently huddling or kind of do some muddle huddle where you can communicate? And I would say when most of your core players, skill guys, have all been together for a while, you should be able to do that, right? I mean, think who's out there. It's guys that have been on the field now for even Juwan Jennings now, consistently a long time. And then I think the other knock would be like – you could put it on Jimmy, put it on Kyle. It's probably a combination of them both. The the play clock thing is kind of egregious. Because, okay, huddle, but you're fucking in the huddle, be in and out. Like, hey, guy, one, bang out the call. You should be averaging on that first high teens. I would say 16 to 19 range. Like, I'm not expecting you to get 26 every time if you're, if you're going to even do some kind of makeshift huddle. But... What's the point of all this practice? This is what I never understood about the NFL. Spending all this time in the film room, in the meeting rooms, on the field, extra work. Like, I think it's what really bugs. Like, fans ultimately just get mad because how ugly it is at the end. But I think internally why, historically, you've seen a lot of, like, front office and coach fights 
players turn on coaches, owners turn on coaches and general managers. They go, what are you wasting all this time on? You're spending all this fucking time. You guys, it, it's pretty well documented. Like Kyle's there early, stays late. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is a pretty basic element of football. You're in a situation where you're down a couple scores late in the game. Like, don't you practice that quote-unquote situation? What does every Belichick guy forever say about those 20-year runs? Like, we practice fucking everything. There was no stone left unturned, let alone the basic stuff, right? Must have short yardage. Must have three-minute drives. Like That feels like a pretty basic scenario. Hey, when you factor in, while there is more time technically on the clock, like you said, the game is played out pretty consistently. That 10 in in reality probably is more like six, seven based on the the time of possession, right? Like you can't assume you're getting three possessions even though there's 10 minutes left on the clock. Yeah. So your urgency has to be higher, but they can't really operate unless it's like one minute left, just kind of doing the no huddle point in the numbers. Right, right, right. Couldn't they do some like uh, halfway point of that? Maybe not that, but definitely not what they were doing. And then it's on Jimmy and Kyle to like be on the same page. Like we got to get the ball snapped when there is in the high teens, not sure. at six, seven. Cause that's all of a sudden 13, 13, 13 seconds. You're, you're, you're talking about, you know, close to a minute in four or five plays you're wasting. Especially once you've, you're four minutes into the drive and you still have a lot of drive to go right at that point, pick it up. And they did a little, they did pick it up around the four-and-a-half-minute mark after the snap infraction by Brendel. That got snapped to 25. Then they snap at 12, 26, 17, 27. But it's too late. It's, it's, it was late by that point. Well, what's what do you think everyone is kind of like like the Monday night game, truly shitting on those two coaches for? Just feels like they're kind of lost, right? When you say uh, Nate Hackett, just like a, a timeout's needed yeah. because my punt team's not on the field. Right. Uh, I don't know whether to go for it, and I do. I, I mean, I know for the Chargers, the way they operated with two timeouts, a minute and cha- uh, more than a minute left from their own twenty-five with one of the strongest arm quarterbacks in the league. I, I thought that was bad. Well, there was a moment at the end of the first half. The score, I think, was ten to seven, and the Broncos. Was it the Broncos? No, it was the Chargers. The Broncos didn't have any timeouts. The Broncos were on defense. There's a minute left. So if you just run the ball, you're going to kick the field goal, which they ended up kicking anyway, at 20 seconds. Instead, they throw a pass. It gets tipped by, you know, Herbert's pass gets tipped. The Broncos end up getting the ball back. A couple plays later, Russ hits a huge play, and they get a field goal out of it because they were given a lot of time. Like, just basic, like, just run the ball. Time management, whether it's running out the clock or whether it's having the composure, understanding, and the urgency to, to move – on both ends of the ledger, right, are really what coaches... I mean, for a long period of time, Andy Reid got destroyed for his clock management at the end of halves and end of games. And whether it's fair or not, like that that's just a huge part coaches get knocked on. And I think someone tweeted at you and I today thinking we were being crazy on Kyle for this because, like, you know, a penalty happened. Like, well, yeah, penalties happen on drives. Like, you don't get an excuse. Like, penalty set him back. It could have been at the 40... I don't care. Like, I, I just can watch a team and go, yeah, it feels like maybe they've coached it at practice. But if, if it's happening at practice and not working in the game, which you would say under Kyle Shanahan, it hasn't really worked in the game, you're not practicing it well enough. And that's your job as a coach 
to figure out all these situations that you're really shitty at. Like one thing I know the 49ers don't need to do, fourth and one. They're going to get it. Why? Jimmy's a great sneaker, right? There are going to be situations like defensively. Clearly, they should have done it on third and one. They should have. But but like you feel pretty good when they're in that situation. If they want to go to it, they're going to get it. I feel like whatever D'Amico's operating on over there feels like they got most situations pretty well handled. There is a glaring issue with Kyle on the urgency of certain drives that the way his offense is conducted, and ultimately he's the maestro. He's not the guy playing the fucking flute or the drums. Like that's ultimately Jimmy leading the charge. But Kyle is in charge of everything. It is not getting, it's not translating. And it hasn't for a while in certain spots, in that spot, when they got to go fast. And it gets back to, to me, the huddle part of his offense. And I, I think the criticism is like, can Kyle truly, like if, if, if Kyle wasn't allowed, like no zone runs this week, no zone runs, could you, could you develop a game plan? I, I think, Kyle, I am not someone who often thinks he should be fired by any means. I think he's a really good coach. But I do think, and I, and I like having a core philosophy, anything in life, things you stand for, morals, in, in your business, whatever. Like I, I do think it's easy to have something to specifically fall back on every time. Pete Carroll changed his career when he, when he went to specific things to fall back on. So I'm cool with it. But like offensive masterminds, like – I do think you got to be open-minded and, and you defended or you brought it up when, on Sunday that like he just can't, he doesn't trust Jimmy and you understand and most people do. I, but I do think there you have to just at times, like you're going to lose anyway. That, that's my thing. It's like, it's not like you're going undefeated or winning all these games. You just have to be willing to at least try it. And if it fails, like you lost by 14 points, but he's never willing to like, you know, I'm not comfortable doing this. I'm not comfortable doing this. And he won't get out of the comfort zone often. And that, to me, is the one thing he, as he matures as a play caller, uh, if he's ever going to want to win games like that, because we talked about the stat. that We all are in agreement. That stat is batshit crazy, right? Oh, oh for when trailing by seven going to the fourth quarter. Oh, for, 24, oh, for 25, 25 after the Falcons game. And who were the other two teams in the mix? I think Duval put it out. I'm pretty sure it was the Washington Commanders and the Detroit Lions. Like the company he's keeping in that is pretty ugly. So I, I, I think it's very fair that just a guy that's very good at his job has to just figure out one little element to, to figure it out. And this is where I get back to the coaches. Kyle spends so much time in a – he's – He's balls deep right now. It's two. We're recording this two forty five Tuesday. This is game plan day. He's watching Spagnola, Frank, and how to block Chris Jones, and what Justin Reed had the bad steps he takes, and if McDuffie's gonna play, and the rookie Watson. That's great, but like football, ultimately it's on his team and the execution, not what Kyle knows, right? Because I feel Kyle knows it, <laughs> but does his team know it? Sometimes they don't. And sometimes he's not willing to be like, well, I know it, but I don't think they can do it. That's kind of what it feels like sometimes. Well, what do you mean? I mean, because I because I do think when he doesn't push the ball, like in that fourth quarter, consistently push the ball, I know sometimes they throw it down the field. But as I said the other day, I think it's it all has to be set up like a chess match, right? These are not. And I, and I think that's the. Like, I don't. I think he thinks that his chances are better of winning a game when he plays it the way he plays it than if he opens it up for specifically for Jimmy Garoppolo. Did I drop the line, do it right longer? 
Did, did I say that the other day? Someone DM me yesterday, maybe two days ago, that Robert Sala said in this press conference that one of their keys as a team moving forward and has been this year is do it right longer. And it's something that he got from Kyle. Basically, like, you just do it right longer, you're ultimately going to win. Mm. And like you said, like, I think Kyle just thinks the chest match, the chest match, the chest yeah. And it works. But I, I do think sometimes you got to throw the fucking chess match out of the window when you're down 14 points. Like, yeah. I'm all for playing Bobby Fisher and being a robot and knowing what's going on in a tie game against the Rams or held the Chiefs maybe if it's your tie game. And you, that's not the place. And I think that's the pushback from any level-headed fan. Like, bro, you kind of got to freewheel it, man. <laughs> Do it right longer really explains what we what we saw. Like the belief that Robert, I guess just, Robert Sala said that he that's something Kyle says a lot, and he's that's interesting. He's I don't know if his quarterback is capable of it, but that makes a lot of sense, right? If we just consistently do the same thing on every play, the other team will make a mistake. Well, when you're up for when you're down fourteen, they don't have to make any mistakes. There's ten minutes left in the game. They're not going to throw you a pick six, right? That would be a mistake. That's that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Now, but I'll go back to, I do think the injuries, I do think he was, that's my theory. What do you think of the theory? Do you think it's a plausible theory that Kyle, uh, he was not playing for three possessions. There was not enough time for three possessions. He was playing for two possessions. There was not a chance in hell. He was going to get a third possession and he certainly was not going to go to overtime with the, with his defense as beat up as it is. I would lean toward yours. He wanted no part of overtime, the team being beat up. I don't think he's cognitively thinking when he's down two scores trying to score, like, I'm going to not get my guys injured and do a slow drive. Like, I, if, if he is, that to me is a little crazy. Because well, part of it is to be a little numb when you're in the game. I, I, I would get maybe if, like, all your quarterbacks have been knocked out, like Debo's playing quarterback or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. Part of the theory that I do, I, I believe, I think makes sense, and I'd love to ask him is that he was trying to reduce the number of possessions. He was going to go for the lead and didn't want Atlanta to have time to get the ball back. Like Kyle Whittingham the other day, for anyone that watched USC Utah, right? Kyle Whittingham went for two at the end of the game and took the lead. Yeah. With like 48 seconds left. He decided to go for two when that drive started. Before Utah scored a touchdown, when they got the ball, he he told his offensive coordinator, have your two-point play ready. Depending on the clock, we're going to go for two. But if Utah had scored with a minute and a half left, he might not have gone for two. How much time was on the clock? Ultimately, like f- under a minute, like 48 seconds. Gotcha. And I asked you it, before we hopped, like uh, we were bullshitting the other day. It was actually because the Niner game was a 10. If you thought he would have done that, if he was also undefeated and they were in the playoff mix, right, and not four and two, not that that wasn't going to be a huge win either way, but yeah, you know, they, I think they had some playoff expectations that changed. You know, I, think he, I think he was going to do it. And the reason I say that now, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but I just thought of it. When he did his post-game interview, one thing he said was, we knew if we lost a second game, we were going to be out of the conference championship race. Like two losses in the pack, like UCLA's unbeaten in the league, Oregon's unbeaten in the league, SC is unbeaten in the league. At that moment in time. Who was their second loss? Who was Utah's second loss? Well, they don't have one. They lost to UCLA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He meant two. So if they lost a second league game, it was going to be over. Oh, because Florida Florida's not a Pac-12 game. Because Florida's not a league game, yeah. So right now, they have a loss. SC has a loss. Oregon has a loss. Uh, Oregon does not, and, and UCLA does not. Utah gets to control their own destiny. 
not exactly because they uh, don't play Oregon. Well, because they lost UCLA. So but yeah, it. I, um, let me think but, about that. But if Utah yes. runs the table, I guess I there mean, could be several teams with one loss. I'm on. just trying to think if they, if UCLA loses, I, they don't control their own destiny. If Oregon beats, yeah, they actually might. They actually might because they play Oregon. Because it's it's not it's just a, be two teams, so it doesn't not, matter. It's not by division anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. So yes. So UCLA is in pretty good shape. UCLA is in great shape. If they beat Oregon, they're in fantastic shape. Oregon still has to play Washington, Utah, and uh, Oregon State. So a little tougher for them, I think. But um, Oregon's favored. Oregon's favored this week, I think. Uh, seven points? I, I, God, I guess it's in Eugene. Is that where College Game is going? Yeah. I guess the one thing that, like, I give a lot of credit to coaches, and maybe it's easy when you're a defensive coach, to just be open-minded because I think Belichick and uh, and Saban fall under this is like they're not they're truly not tied to a scheme. I mean Belichick right. they they have a brand new game plan every week. Kyle says that, but it's not necessarily true. It's just what plays in his scheme are they going to run against that defense? Like yeah, it, it we might not do certain plays of the Shanahan scheme, but we're running the Shanahan scheme. It just depends which ones. Belichick's like yeah, we won't do zone here, right? We'll do power. Saban's like, yeah, we'll just do hurry up all game against this team. And, and I heard Lane Kiffin say, like, we changed our offense, you know, dramatically in my time with Alabama just because we kind of had to. The, the league was changing. We just adapted our scheme. And most people before that was like, Saban's he's just he's just tied to the old school pro style offense. And then now, like, what is Alabama's offense? Basically, it's fucking spread. Let it rip. <laughs> right. And to me, that's where Kyle like. I don't ever want him to get rid of the quote unquote Shanahan offense. Like it should always be a staple. It, it adds a physicality to what they do, but it does feel like, can he adapt other parts of offenses? Because every guy that's around him says fucking guy is, he's like a savant. Like, obviously I, his offense, no one knows it better, right? If Mike and him, you just, it's impossible. And those guys all say it, but I do wonder if like, would he ever be a pass first guy, even if he had, you know, some great player? I have also had the thought if it gets really ugly in Green Bay and like Rodgers is, you know, I got to go. Now I understand he signed a huge contract. I haven't even looked at it. Like, would there ever be a point that the Niners could pull off some crazy trade for Aaron Rodgers? I, or would they just like, ne- over their like dead the body? They would, would not do that, right? What if they just sent him to the Raiders and Devontae was like, shit. I had someone DM me that went to the Packer game, diehard Packer fan, and was like, people are just kind of tired of the of just the go around. He's a great player. No one's arguing that. But there is just it's just exhausting. And it's not all Rogers' fault, but I, I do wonder it's funny, like, man. Two years ago, the, the longer this goes, if they struggle, I do think people are like, listen, you're not going to get crushed. We, we understand it just Fucking get three ones or something. Yeah, I mean, all it takes once you start losing a little bit, it's funny. Would Ky- Would Kyle really want him? Yeah, and Aaron would probably want to come back. You know, again, I just I, it, it it crossed my mind when I just saw the back and forth. Did you see the simple offense and that full floors? Like, I don't even know yeah. what that means. Yeah, you just I, I could just see things getting a little weird. Then he'll do the classic, like, no, I wasn't. What are you talking about? Now, but here is the thing. 
when you walk when you read the text you're like oh my god when you watch it he's laughing it's it's i bet they talked about it right because lafleur's like what does that even mean and he's but he's smiling it's not it, it they they clearly like each other and rogers to me you're allowed to be right after you lose a devastating game like i, I give you a pass being really mad player and coach yeah, I mean, the question is, is there like a deep-seated frustration? Although it seemed like he was fine with Devontae leaving, right? The fact that he's throwing to Randall Cobb all these years later again is probably a little frustrating that it's Romeo Dubs and Christian, is it Christian Watkins, whatever. But he's hurt. Well, I, But I'm just saying like that that is what he's got to work with. Well, I've seen him already drop a couple lines like, you know, if trades are available, I think Goot knows what we need to do. Basically saying like, we need to trade for a wide receiver. Robbie Anderson, the Ravens just signed Deshaun Jackson today. Problem. This is, I mean, I, I kind of knew. Um, what would you guess Rogers' dead cap is in 23? 48 million. 99. <laughs> <laughs> How is that possible? I mean, he signed for $150 million guaranteed. 99 for one year dead cap. This year was 151. So, Oh, wow. Brandon on the stream says, uh, Kawakami just talked to Harbaugh and said that Harbaugh will be at the Niners' 10-year team reunion for 2012. Give that man a headset. When's the 10-year reunion? This year. Again, I did not know they were having a 10-year reunion. But this week, I mean, against the Chiefs, they're having a 10-year a reunion. For and the Jim Harbaugh's going to be there? Harbaugh says he's going to be there. Is Alex? Would, Alex will be there. Does time just heal wounds? Well, heal wounds. I mean, I think Jim is there specifically to create a to to be. You know, you think Jim would miss this opportunity to twist Who, the knife? Fangio be there? He's got nothing going on. Uh, yeah, I feel like Fangio is secretly watching the Niners' defense in the team facility every week. Alden. Uh, good question. The Cowboy. Cowboy's got to be there. Frank Staley. Linebackers will be there. Willis Bowman. Yeah, locks. Whitner's already there. Vernon, uh, he's got a. You follow him on Instagram. The guy's fucking doing all sorts of shit. He's like, acting. is he acting? I remember when he cried on ESPN. Remember that? Developing different actor. products. I mean, he's. I think they were hoping for like a Robbie Anderson, Mike Singletary thing. It didn't quite work out that way. I thought of uh, Singletary the other day when who got bent? Oh, when Robbie Anderson got sent off. Yeah, Steve Wilkes. Is the difference is, yeah, the difference oh, to me, and I saw a lot of that, like people doing Singletary GIFs. Yeah. Is Vernon was the fifth overall pick, was 6-3, ran a 4-2, and just was like, it was not working, but no one disputed. Like, I don't think we've ever seen this physical human being before. Robbie Anderson's like just a skinny, fast guy. I, I, I knew nothing about either side. I just took the Panther side. Like, Robbie, calm down, buddy. A thousand percent. <laughs> Alex Boone, probably. Yep, Alex Boone. Frank, did you say Frank? Yeah, you seen pictures of Alex Boone? He weighs about 180 Balky? pounds. Balky's got to work, probably. I think they uh, Jags play the Giants, I think. Okay. What if Balky showed? Uh, Jim, I wouldn't miss this for the world. Tom Sula? Tom Sula? Got to be free right now, right? Got to be. Uh, Jeep could bring his brother Paul. Man, there's who else? I've always fascinated Bill Dawson by uh well, isn't this is that the kid that Dilfer beat up his son? Yeah. 
always fascinated by uh, head coach. Just retired. Gets fired mid-season. You know, Scott Frost, Chris Rule. Their life, I mean, being a head coach is so crazy. So much time. But in a weird way, you're so rich. But you don't, you don't spend any money. I remember going to Andy's house for Thanksgiving. He did. It's not like he lived for the amount of money he made. Like he did not live in a month. He just lived in a normal community. In fairness, he wasn't at his house that often. Right. You know, in his, in his office. Like, can you imagine the shock to the system when they're like, "Hey, man, you're done." Like that first week for Matt Rule. I, I don't care how. Like, what the fuck do you do? You know, like. I would probably make an enormous purchase. You know what? I'm just going to buy something worth 250 grand. Why? Because I can. And I never spend any money. Like an island? A boat? I don't even know, but I would just do something kind of out of left field. You just don't spend any money. Your whole life is just football. You're making all this money. It just sits in the account. Yeah. You, you send your kids to private school or whatever, but it's not like... I think you got to go like <laughs> European vacation, hotel, $10,000 a night. Yeah, you, that's what I'm saying. You get out of the community immediately, so you don't have to like Scott Frost. Like, oh, I'm just at home. The Nebraska game's on. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What are you gonna do on a Saturday? Mow the lawn? Yeah. Like, go pick up food. Like, hey, coach. Uh, uh Paul. I, you know, like, it's very awkward for everyone in town. You know that knows you. Your neighbor Ace, is kind of looking at you weird. Ace said, uh, "Number ten, that wide receiver that fumbled the punt. You have Kyle Williams, right? Son of the GM. It's Kyle Williams, right? Yeah. Remember his dad, Kenny." The White Sox GM, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, John. Niner injuries. You uh, you sent me this. Uh, actually, Barrows wrote a lot about it in the Athletic, and then attached in there was this tweet from uh, Doctor Matt Provencher of uh, Fox NFL. I didn't know they had an official doctor, but uh, this is the banged up score, the BUS, and the uh, Niners are in last place, which means they are the uh, most banged up team in the NFL. And uh, Barrows also wrote that according to Football Outsiders, the Niners have been in the top 10 in um, average, what was it, average games lost to injury or whatever exactly they call that, adjusted games lost to injury. Niners have been in the top 10 every year for the last 10 years and on the aggregate have lost the most games to injury. So the most injured team, the most injured team of the decade, the San Francisco 49ers. Congratulations. Pretty incredible. Because it has felt that. That's the thing. It has felt that way. I think so many times you're like, God, it feels like he always throws a pick. And you look, and it's just league average. It feels like they're always hurt. And, in fact, they're hurt more than anybody else. It feels like it really kicked in, like that Harbaugh second to last year in the playoffs. I mean, they had a stretch where Bowman and Upati's legs were shattered. <laughs> and, like, I, I don't know if this is accurate, but multiple series difference. It was like, Navarro Bowman carted off the field. U potty ankle shattered. <laughs> Next year, remember the disaster you had Bowman or Willis retires because of a bad foot. Bowman can't come back that year. Borland comes out of nowhere, and it's just kind of perpetuated to Kyle. I mean, they, as Barrows wrote, they admitted it. I mean, they fired everyone after Kyle's second season because Kyle had so many injuries first first two years. And they redid the strength and conditioning program, the training program, all under kind of one umbrella. And nothing has changed. Like, nothing has changed. So they admitted something was going on, yet they still have the same problem. You and I don't know. I would imagine they don't really know. 
because they're, I'm sure, doing all the right things, right? Stretching programs, eating the right food, training the right way based on all these guys' physiological, you know, numbers and tests. But for whatever reason, they get in these games and their guys drop like fucking flies. You can be like, even Barrels Row, like, yeah, you know, even Trent Williams, freaky deal. Someone just fell on him. It feels like more guys fall on their guys than other teams <laughs> on top of just like legitimate, you know. And part of it is they do sign hurt guys. Like Jason Verrett has been hurt multiple times. He was a hurt guy for the Chargers. As someone told me with the Chiefs, like, I was like, God, Charverius is this guy's a good corner, but he's hurt. It's like, what's is this growing? It's like, yeah, he had that with us. So it's I like him. And I mean, the Niners, I'm glad they signed him. I mean, JC Jackson, who remember everyone wanted, already got benched. This guy is clearly a really good player. Good team guy, too. Feels like good energy. People just kind of just a winning. You just want you just easy. But he's hurt. <laughs> it's just and that's scary. Right, because his position is true. Him and Bosa are really explosive guys, and that injury is something that gives me great fucking concern. Well, so does a Liz Frank. I put it in the same category as a groin. Like, when does that get better? Who the hell knows? Right. Who are you talking about? Eric Armstead. That's a problem. Right. Guy, when he's on the injury report, it's not just it says ankle, 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 foot. It's like it's multiple things. You know, it's not just like Javon Kinlaw knee. It says Armstead, ankle, foot. Eric says they're a physical football team with injury-prone players. Druish guy says we play old-school football and practice by new-era player union standards. I mean, one thing you would say that's consistent from Shanahan to Harbaugh is they like the same type of guys. They like the Hufungas, who's, by the way, past concussion protocol Sunday, but uh, was back in the protocol on Tuesday, or I guess Monday. Sorry, this is Tuesday. So he came in with symptoms Monday and went back into the concussion protocol. And I saw I uh, I saw a tweet before we started by Grant Cohn. I thought it was a good insight. He said, "You you play really physical football, but you don't train really physical football. And so if your style is physical, but you're not prepared to play that way, then you're going to get hurt." Ray, Ravens have had a bunch of injuries the last couple of years. Ravens, I think, were the most injured team last year. They're pretty injured this year. E- um, Eagles have battled it, and they've been a pretty physical team over the years. One thing Barrows also wrote, as we're just putting all the pieces of this together, is that foot, ankle injuries, studies have shown are 16% more likely to happen on an artificial surface than on a real surface. I don't know. Like McGlinchey, it said calf. That injury looked like a very hard fall on turf. Concussions happen from collisions with other people. They also happen with collisions from collisions with the ground when your head hits the ground, right? So when we talked about Hufunga, it was the clavicle and concussions, correct? When we talked about his college issues, yes, concussions in college, yeah. I do think it's very fair that the NFL in the 80s and 90s, because you're like, well, how did Parcells and and uh, Buddy Ryans and Ditkas and, and Walsh's, I mean, these, these games were war zones. Well, they practice with pads. Whenever you met someone who's over 50 that played in the NFL, they'd be like, yeah, we wore pads all season long. I remember hearing Edelman on a podcast last year. They full scrimmaged for years on their bye week in the playoffs because they wow. always had it. Wow. Well, wh- where did Bill learn his football in the 70s and 80s? And my theory, another theory I have, why if you notice quarterback play, like stat lines are not that crazy this year. Yeah. Like there aren't just guys throwing 400 yards left and right. They've never practiced less ever. 
That was kind of the point Brady made the other day, right? Is that football's bad because no one, you don't spend any time together practicing? Well, think about this too. You know another theory I have? No tour at all? The amount of Bosa's, Kinlaw's, he's a bad example because he's injured, but just this year, Thibodeau, uh, Miles Garrett, Aiden Hutchinson, the amount of defensive linemen who are coming in the league every single year is not being matched by the same offensive linemen. Look at the 49ers and the Rams, two of the, two of the better teams last year. There are starting guys at guard and center that you've never really – I mean, the, the Niners probably have the most famous one in Aaron Banks, second-round pick, but other than that, it's Jake Brendel, it's Brunskill mixing in, it's Burford a pick. I mean, who? I don't even know the guys the Rams are rolling out, but their D-tackles are all pretty sweet, <laughs> you know? And they got multiple waves. Of Niners, them. yeah, wave. Niners got three lines of guys. Like I would say most good teams in the NFL, their backup defensive linemen and the backup offensive linemen for NFL teams are not. They don't parallel each other. No, and and that gap is widening. Well, and you, I think you'd argue there are backup defensive linemen that are better than starting offense, offensive linemen. Yes, right? yeah. Whatever backup means. Because well, I think about this: Drake, Drake Jackson line. isn't a starter. What what is Drake Jackson's equivalent as an offensive lineman? Pretty good player, right? Oh yeah, but but, you but know. I do think there is there is I, to be fair to offensive linemen. There's five of them. They play every snap. Defensive linemen. There's nine of them, and they rotate. Right, but but, a- th- but this gets back to the practice stuff. Part of being an offensive lineman, former one right here, uh, is uh, to me the physical practices is kind of how they develop their calluses, especially guards and centers. Like I would say Trent and the top tackles in this league, forever Tyron Smith and Jason Peters when he was younger, those guys are like fucking Joel Embiid's and and LeBron's. I mean, they are freaks, freaks. But the guards and centers, there's a timing aspect with it. There's just a physical comfort level with it. Nobody practices anymore. We talked about this with Kyle. His teams are full of war daddies. We've seen them play in the biggest games, go on the road. You, you go to practice, and it's no different probably than like a USC practice or an Arizona Cardinal practice. Yeah. It all kind of looks... Just because 50 cents playing on the sound system doesn't mean you're having a tough physical practice. Here's another thing. When preseason games start, right? So you get that first two weeks of training camp that's like late July up until like probably around August 10th, where you just basically got two straight weeks. But even that, you get every four days, you got to give them a day off. Then there are the three preseason games. So let's just say all the preseason games you play are on Saturday. Well, if I'm a team, and the Niners are kind of a bad example because they play their guys a little, but not much. Well, Friday is not – you don't practice on Friday. You might do a quote-unquote walkthrough or do some like cardio stuff, but it's not a practice. Then Saturday – for the majority of the league, and even Kyle's guys, a lot of them do not play Saturday. And then Sunday is a mandatory league day off. So think once the preseason game starts, of a seven-day work week, you got three days off. Not and to mention you, the fourth week. Which is basically a, a bye week. I, I don't see – a lot of people are complaining about the sport. And it started with – I mean, Brady was – the player that spoke about it, but now you're starting to hear like even fans are like, God, this is a little shitty. You can't, you can't tell me it's not a direct result of the practice stuff. The history of the sport is all about practice. And now they barely even practice. Yeah. You know, what's funny is like, I'm watching the PAC 12 every week as you are the quarterback play from last year to this year is significantly up. Like the offenses are killing it right now. 
much better. They got way better quarterbacks, right? They got better quarterbacks and they got better coaches. They upgraded some key coach spots. But last, but last year in the Pac-12, the leading passer was Keaton Slovis of USC, 239 yards a game. This year, he'd be 10th in the league in passing with the same season. Who's one? Penix? Michael Penix from Washington, yeah. Who'd be two, Caleb? I think it's Jaden Delora at Arizona. They're now, points. their defense, now you'd be like, well, their defenses aren't great, right? That could be a counter. But... Yeah. But I see that that my counter to them is like how many NFL D linemen right now are in the Pac-12 chasing around these guys? Sure, yeah. Now the, but, it's a good but group. The, but like the same said, was, Caleb, but it was rising the same last year. Yeah, it's a lot you more know. NFL players at quarterback, right? There's some rising really good an NFL guy. Panics an NFL yeah, guy. I think Penix is Caleb's an NFL guy. Is Delora like, an NFL guy? I don't know. I I take Penix on the 49ers. So I'll tell you that in like the third round. So Kyle, when he drafts him this fall, <laughs> I think he's got some because he can push the ball. Anyway, is he a senior? Yeah, well, yeah, he's like a. Oh yeah, because he got injured. Might be a fifth year. He's like, uh, what, what's our man's name? Uh, I haven't seen, he's out of sight, out of mind because he's been Jake. injured. Jake, yeah, Hanner. Hanner. Which I did. See, I did see his mom, who is a news anchor in the Bay Area. Julie, uh, Julie Hayner, they were at the game, right, for Devontae's thing. And, you know, there was – she had, like, an Instagram post of, like, three or four different – and it was Derek and Jake Hayner talking. And Jake has, like – he doesn't have a boot on, but he has, like, some tape on. And he's, you know, he's showing Derek, and Derek's mm-hmm. pointing, and they were just <laughs> talking ankle injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek's like, you know, when I shared my ankle against the Colts – it's like, did they make you ride in the front of the little cart that they drove you off on? Or did they put you on the back like every other injury in the history of injuries? No, no, no. Yeah, they 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 put me in the back. And if I remember correctly, Derek had to hop over to it. Remember, it didn't even come out to the middle. It was on the sideline. <laughs> One of the most embarrassing injury handlings um, that's ever been, ever been seen. John, before we go any further, let's tell the people about sleepnumber.com slash ham right now you go to sleepnumber.com slash ham to discover special offers for a limited time at your local sleep number store or sleepnumber.com slash ham no matter what you like maybe you like your bed a little softer like john is a 40 that's a sleep number i'm at a 55 a little bit firmer one thing we know is that uh, sleep number sleepers sleep better sleepers who use their 360 smart bed technology enjoy 28 minutes of more restful sleep per night that's pretty fantastic. Yep, guy. Uh, take Here's the key. You want to sleep well? Here are little tricks of the trade. Take a warm shower before bed. Eat cooling foods. Drink lots of water. Uh, use light cooling bedding for warm nights to add layers on cooler ones. Reassess your nighttime apparel. I, I'm a big believer, and this has worked Nudity? for me for a long time. I, I, I can't sleep nude. I, I I just but oh. I can't I can't sleep with a shirt on. I, it's yeah, only same. it's just basketball shorts. That's it. That's my that's my night routine. Basketball yeah. shorts. I'm right there. Can't with even you. can't even do boxer briefs. It's got to be basketball shorts. That's oh it. yeah. I, I can do boxer briefs over I, basketball shorts for me. I, I prefer just basketball shorts. I for, I would say for several years I had some some Team USA basketball shorts with with the elastic pulled out of it, so they were really nice and loose. Ugh. You know what I mean? Really Redeeming. nice and loose. The problem is if I had to get anything above a a, a moderate shuffle, those things were falling off. You know, <laughs> so I finally retired them. Uh, did you know that eight out of ten couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? 
Well, science tells us that regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. So Sleep Number has the solution. Discover the new Climate 360 Smart Bed, the only smart bed in the world that actively cools, warms, and effortly, effortlessly responds to both of you. The Climate 360 Smart Bed warms your feet to help you sleep faster, fall asleep faster, and it actively draws heat away from your body to help cool you so you stay asleep longer and deeper. So choose proven quality sleep with Sleep Number because to be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep. Discover special offers now for limited time at your local Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com slash ham. Yeah, prize picks is where it's at. Prize picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million users. I've been using it and telling you about it for months. It's the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. We're not going to talk about my Otani-less season-long pick quite yet on his home run total. You just pick more or less of two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. For example, this week on Prize Picks, you can go Anthony Edwards more than 29 points and Nikola Jokic more than 10 rebounds. Playoff time's the time to join because star players mean more on Prize Picks. Keep an eye out for the starred players on the board and you could receive a 10% payout boost if they're in your winning lineup. So right now, download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, code HAM50. First deposit match up to 100 bucks. Price picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it. Four years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you... Free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Someone just forwarded me a tweet that said WD Sports, Omaha Productions, and Green 23 will debut, will debut a new all-access series, The Countdown, during pregame tonight. The premiere will feature Draymond Green's journey throughout the preseason, including Green's reaction to his practice altercation with, to the Warriors. So Green, Draymond, who, listen, I like Draymond. And I really, really value players as a fan, as a gambler, and as just a lover of sport that are reliable in big games. But I do think, and I'm all for his podcast. It's had a lot of success. I could see if I'm the Warriors, like, bro, you got a podcast, and now you're doing some all-access series. Like, is it ever going to end? Has he reacted on his podcast to the Jordan Poole punch yet? I, I think the All-82, Slater, Marcus, or Tim – one of them kind of insinuated that I think part of the talk was like, let's just leave but, this one out of it. Okay, but my point no. would be that he hasn't, he hasn't done a, he hasn't done a pod, he hasn't done a podcast since. But he's doing an all access reaction. I'd be like, well, wait a second, we have you, you know you do that on the podcast network, not on the all access. What is this thing? WD? Where is it? Where do you? Is it an Omaha? App? So it's Peyton. It's Green Twenty Three. It's <laughs> is it in an app? I think I think I might have seen something with like Gronk on Monday night where there's like some app. Probably. Well, tonight they're gonna I think debut it before the game. What I'm saying is, oh, is how it, do you watch? Do I have it? to get in the app to watch it. Is that what? what yeah, the Draymond Green, the Draymond Green app, Green Twenty Three. I'm just making that up. <laughs> you said WD Productions. Is that what you said? Yeah, WD, uh, WBD. Warner Brothers. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Warner Brothers. That's pretty big. Warner Brothers Discovery. Okay, I've heard of them. I'll say this for him. He's not doing it on like, uh, you know, no, he's... some random production. Oh, here we go. Here's the video. There's not much in the video. It's just he's not talking about pool and that thing. This is interesting. I wonder where this. Do you think Draymond and Bill Belichick would have got along? Pre-game tonight. So maybe it is on. Is this yeah, game on ESPN or uh, Turner? Uh, it's on Turner. I uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on Turner tonight, TNT. Makes sense. Interesting. Okay. Well, keep an eye out for that. If you've already, uh, if you've I already think watched that it, thing will go viral. viral. Uh, John, this is what Jeremy Fowler wrote about Christian McCaffrey. Uh, his restructured contract from March pushes his base salary to around the minimum. This means a team acquiring uh, Christian McCaffrey would owe him a prorated version of $1.12 million this year. Not a lot. His contract becomes more complicated in 23 with a salary of $12 million, which is not guaranteed. That could be a problem for a team like Buffalo, who wants to keep its cap outlook clean next year due to many top player dollars on the payroll. If a team's looking for a one-year rental to catalyze a championship offense, McCaffrey might be the best bet. At the least, Buffalo and others would love to have McCaffrey's skill in their backfields the Rams and 49ers have been implicated in McCaffrey's market too. Implicated. Listen, 
So he's uh, not saying that he's not saying I'm saying he's just saying some are saying basically. To me, this is a much sexier social media topic than it is a real topic for a team to pull the trigger and make a trade for a guy who once was a fantastic player. And he, when he got drafted eighth, I, I even thought, like, that's pretty crazy and bold. The, the Panthers were right on that one. But his injuries, he is dramatically slower than he once was. He's really slow. You know, he gets the ball. He's okay running back. He's not a top five running back. And when you factor in his positional value, which I think it's safe to say is right there with, like, guards, you know, and you could say if you really needed a guard, you'd be more likely to trade like a third round pick for an immediate starter than you would a running back. When do running backs get traded for a lot in modern day football anymore? Well, Doesn't modern happen. day? I mean, um, you know, uh, I, I'm Clint talking Portis, like the last yeah, five, Clint, six years. I'm talking Portis trade comes to mind. Yeah, I'm talking like post like Twitter, you know, like uh, 2013, 14 on. Yeah. Uh, uh, Grixon did it. Trent Richardson for one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How could we forget that one? Yeah. Now, the 49ers did draft three running backs in the last two years. Two of them are still on the team. One guy, Ty Davis Price, I think made a cameo last game, so he's getting healthier. Elijah Mitchell still a ways to go away, but I I have no problem trading for him if I get him for nothing you know, fifth, sixth round pick. But if there are teams interested, that's not going to be the case. I can't. I, I would not be okay with trading for a running back. His name is sexier than the actual pick, or I mean the the like the acquisition, if you're factoring in a top 90 pick. And here's the other thing. A lot like the Rams, the Niners don't have a first round pick, so their second, third round pick are pretty valuable. Well, that's fine. You wouldn't give them a second or a third round pick anyway. Yeah, but it's just supply and demand. What if other people are interested, right? Right, but I'm just saying the Niners would not give a like it, that. Would just now do they want to? Well, actually, before we get to that, here's the other thing: you are a beat up and injured team. Christian McCaffrey has a injury history. I just think on a fundamental level, it doesn't make sense. No, you 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 know, there's one thing when when we're like, oh, well, how, how come Talanoa Hufunga got hurt, or how come Nick Bosa got hurt, or how come, uh, uh, you know, Trent Williams got hurt? There's no how come. Javon Kinlaw got hurt when it's the knee that you knew going in was going to potentially be a problem. And there's no, oh my gosh, we can't believe Christian McCaffrey got hurt, unfortunately. Um, because you know going in that that's going to be it's going to be a problem. You yeah, I mean the last I, the last two years, be, guys played 10 games. I'm a Christian McCaffrey fan, but I've I've watched him a lot this year. We watched him a few weeks ago. Um now the Niners you know, aren't necessarily looking for, you're not getting a game changing running back at this point, right? He doesn't necessarily change the complexion of the game. Like he once did when he's on the field, but if you traded a sixth rounder and you know, the finances were, uh, if you're able to get out of them next year, fine. But you know, I, I'd be more interested in your theory, which is driving the price up on the Rams. Yeah. I, I think you would love to see them do something crazy. We'll give you a second and third in our following years one for Brian Burns and Christian well, McCaffrey. Like, you we would, would love to see Brian Burns end up on that team. but And I don't think the Panthers. like When you're selling your squad, you trade guys like Robbie Anderson and an injured, overpaid running back. You, you don't trade. It's like, could you get Derek Brown and Brian Burns? I don't know. They're two best players that have drafted high on their defensive line. You don't give away defensive linemen. 
the Niners were a joke for a while. They weren't just like, hey, anyone want uh, the second-year guy, DeVorce Buckner? Or Eric Armstead could just be had. No, you, you do need a football team. I think a lot of people are like, fire sale. Yeah, they're not. DJ Moore, no, they're going to keep three or four of their good players. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be stunned, guy, if they trade anything of value of like their core three or four guys that every team in the league would want. Wouldn't you? To me, I'll repeat what I said the other day because I think it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Give myself credit on this one, even though it's really an obvious thing to say. It's October 18th. right? The trade deadline is in a couple of weeks, whatever. They're going to hire a new coach in two or three months. They may start, you know, kind of doing back backdoor kind of interviews, that kind of thing. But it's going to be a new season for the Panthers. In two and a half months, it's going to be a new season for them. Right? That's it. It's not seven years away from winning. In two and a half months, it's going to be a new season for them. That's it. So in two and a half months, it'll be like, we got Brian Burns. We're going to get a veteran quarterback. or We're going to draft a guy. Our new coach has got a lot of uh, momentum, smart guy. In two and a half months, the Panthers are going to turn the page and just try to win next year. And in the NFL, you can. You can just turn around and win next year. You, it can be done. What's so, a good example this year is the Giants. Everyone I, And I thought this. You know, Giants, <laughs> Bryce Young, <laughs> they're going to suck. And now it's like, uh, could the Giants get to 10-7 and seven and be a wild card team? Could, do, you think, do you think there's any doubt in that building, like they plan on keep winning? Uh, yeah. No. Like, do they they wouldn't trade – what did you say uh, they play this week? The Jags. Yeah. Well, for example, I like Barrows. He's really good at his job. He did a couple like realistic trade options, and it was just kind of random guys. And one name he's like would be a home run. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. Was T.J. Hawkinson? And T.J. Hawkinson because the Lions suck. Well, T.J. Hawkinson was a first round pick for the Lions. The last two years, T.J. Hawkinson sixty seven catches, sixty one catches, and ten touchdowns. He's good this year, guy. Twenty catches, three touchdowns. Like to me, it makes no sense for the Lions, who eventually are going to try to win. They're they're literally trying to win right now. They just can't. But it's not this guy's fault. Like I, I'm just not in the business of trading good players in the NFL because this is not baseball, where it's like, well, this guy's going to walk in free agency. Like, no, this guy. If you're Lions, you want to keep T.J. Hawkinson, you'll just pay him forty million dollars this offseason, right, and keep him. Like you just, he'll just be a member of your team. Like, why did the Niners win when Harbaugh showed up? Because they just kept resigning good players, and he got here, and he inherited stuff. Like, the Lions, like, could Panay will be had? No chance, right? And I'm not saying Barrow's saying that, but my point is, that's not really the way the NFL works, right? Right. There are no, there are not often fire sales. No. Because, it, it, like you said, it is so easy with just the right move and the right coach to all of a sudden, best case scenario is day ball. But even like a middle of the road case is like the next year, all of a sudden you're five and five and you just drafted number two overall the previous year. You're like, God, we're competitive. It's fun. You know who likes it? Our fans, our TV ratings, like our well, owner. Like, like the, the Broncos trade for Russell Wilson. The Seahawks didn't like him and thought he was washed up. That's what it took to trade him, right? If they liked him or didn't think he was washed up, he'd still be on the Seahawks. And they still got a killing, but but they didn't like him and thought he was washed up. One like why did Juan Soto ultimately get traded? Oh, he was going to be too expensive. They didn't want to pay him. Yeah, but the equivalent of Juan Soto, right? Like he'd be a quarterback. But let's just use a positional player. Like if Justin Jefferson or you know Nick Bosa was on one of the worst teams in the league, under no circumstances would they trade that guy, right? 
during the season, maybe in the off season of a new coach and they were just completely starting it over. But in season trades to me are just not like, Oh my God. It's usually like, yeah, Robbie Anderson got traded. Yeah. How many teams in the league when, uh, Hey, Robbie Anderson's on the block after that issue would have even traded for him. I mean, it had to be a ha- like count them on one hand, maybe. <laughs> yeah. maybe. Remember he had, he had said some stuff over the years. I think he's, he's got some opinions. Which is good in podcast world. I don't think it's great if you're trying to run an NFL team. I, I, I wonder if it was one of those like not even liked in the locker room, just an easy one for Steve Wilkes. Yeah. You can tell Fitter, I, I got you a seventh. You're welcome. Or a six, whatever they got for him. Yeah, I think he had a six this year and a seventh. I mean, it was nothing. Yeah. Hmm. The Cardinals just don't really care about character. Uh, okay, you mentioned the list earlier. Justin Herbert's coaches uh, to this point in his career, to this point in the NFL, he's had Anthony Lynn, who is uh, the Niners running backs coach now, and a first-time head coach who um, Brandon Staley played to lose or played to tie. I, I don't know what he was doing on Monday night. Um, a minute fifty-one left with two timeouts on his own twenty-five against the Broncos offense. That was three of nine passing for 46 yards in the second half. That's who Brandon Staley was trying to keep the ball away from to make sure they didn't get some last-minute drive to win the game. 151. They didn't have 48 seconds, John. They had a, they had two minutes and two timeouts at their own 25. And unlike the 49ers, I thought it was more egregious than the Kyle Shanahan eight-minute drive because unlike the 49ers, Justin Herbert can just pull plays out of his ass and has a rocket for an arm. In fact, on the first play, he should have been sacked and he created a, a zero gain play when it should have been a negative play. Well, didn't he ultimately win him the game on that scramble to his left? Yes. Get him in field goal play. I mean, how many quarterback like does, could Jimmy Garoppolo dream of making that play? Which uh, no, no, <laughs> yeah. maybe dream. But I, I thought that was egregious. Well, somebody on uh, Twitter pointed out in a video that they took from the uh, from the game when they were filming the stadium after the Chargers won. Up in the box, look who it is: Sean Payton sitting up in the box. Now he's in LA a lot, working for Fox. But Sean Payton up in the box, football uh, guys. You don't like football, just football guys? Just football guys. <laughs> Whose box is is probably a piece of investigating that needs to be done. But um, poor Justin Herbert, who is one of the best throwers, maybe the strongest arm in the league. And we thought his coach was overly aggressive, but then in weird spots, isn't aggressive at all. Makes no sense. I had the thought last night, and it's weird because. Eli drawing the line in the sand ultimately led to Phillip Rivers, and he had a fantastic career. But I think when you really factor in Phillip Rivers' career, in a weird way, he underachieved. Like I, I think for a large percentage of his career, if you put him in the right place, his teams are much better. Like, did he directly get impacted by shittier coaches? When you think about it, like, I'm. I, it crossed my mind. Do you think those are two of the lowest paid coaches in the NFL? Hackett and Brandon Staley? Yeah. Probably, right? And Anthony Lynn obviously was, and Mike McCoy surely was as well. So it's like when Hackett you can could be the lowest paid coach in the league, right? Probably. I, yeah. I'm factoring in his resume, his leverage. No one else was going to hire him. That like when Eli drew the line in the sand and I'm not playing for you. That was pretty nuts, but it turned out to be the right decision. And ultimately, Philip Rivers, 
who in a vacuum is a better player than Eli. So I think could overcome. And it's the weird thing is the chargers for being kind of this like disaster of an organization always do have good players. Like even last night, they like missing a bunch of injuries. Think how many stud players they still had out there. Mike Williams, Derwin James, Khalil Mack. Eckler is one of the better undrafted free agents in the NFL. I mean, he's been in the NFL a while now, but he's like a legitimate player, right? Even I think Telesco does a pretty good job. Gerald Everett, the dude from the Rams, is like that guy's just a solid NFL player. And they just it's always something. And to me, it's it's the owner that bleeds into the coach because they always have a cheap coach. From Mike Riley to Marty Schottenheimer. And Marty had been a, a Marty was a real NFL head coach. Norv Turner, um, who actually won double digit games twice. Um, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn. This is not a list of guys that get another job, right? After the, after this particular job. So uh yeah, I think it's partly that. I think it's um the really chances that the chances that they fire Brand Staley at the end of this year and hire Sean Payton, I would say would be pretty, pretty long. Well, what what's different between head coaches and players? Like head coaches, there's no salary cap. You can't tell a player, this is as much as we can pay you. You're not working with the same uh, you know, credit card on coaches that you are with players. With coaches, you have to step up and pay coaches. Franchises who have money can pay more coach more money to players, to coaches, excuse me. Then franchises. Who well, like, do you give Tepper any credit for just like pulling? Like, this is not working. We got to yes. go a separate way. I'll just buy you out now, and we'll just figure it out later. Yes, because it wasn't working. Because it's not like this was year two, four games in a Matt Rule. Like, it was clear to everybody this was not working. So he wasn't even that trigger happy. Year, year two and a half of seven, but year three. I mean, we're in yeah. year three. In year that's, three, yeah. I got. I mean, it was clear to me. I mean, I, they were going nowhere fast. Yeah. yeah so that's fine. Um, now Tepper might turn out to be a meddler in the end. We'll see, but you know, being, a, being a non-meddler who's cheap, isn't necessarily better if you don't have the money for your franchise to succeed. And now they're in LA, they're playing in the Ram stadium. So they get to, you know, hang out at the penthouse and act like they're paying rent, but they're not, they didn't, they didn't build it. Well, it backfired ultimately because when the uh, investigated the the Redskins football team commanders, it led to John Gruden's transgressions. But Mark Davis deserved credit for being willing to take a huge swing. Now, you could argue why he was so infatuated with the individual, whatever, but his mindset was to get the star coach. 100%. And that is the one thing that I think we all – Every person universally that follows this stuff, especially us on the West Coast that know a lot about the Spanos family, think like that's never going to happen. Where the move would clearly be to get rid of this skinny looking fucking punk in Brandon Staley and hire the guy at the game. Like, think how much credit. Now, it, it would be a five year deal would cost Dean probably $90 million. <laughs> you know what I mean, Sean ain't cheap, <laughs> uh, but rightfully so. But that would be a scary combination. If somebody in the chat said he's, Fergus said he's paying a dollar in rent. I mean, he can afford a better coach. Just it's just I, well, the it, lead we, we are. You know what I thought last night watching that game? I don't know if you felt this way. Maybe it's just me. I was like, I feel like the Chargers have been kind of for having Justin freaking Herbert on their team so far this season. They've just been kind of not the center of attention, and they should be the center of attention in the like one of the centers of attention. The Chargers, L.A., cool uniforms, good players. Justin Herbert's a, a superstar. I mean, not an easy watch. 
How is it possible that they're not an easy watch with this guy? He throws, I think right now, I mean, Josh Allen's up there. I think Herbert's just my favorite guy to, to, to watch throw. He just throws BBs nonstop. And he's smart and he's tough and he's his team is talented. How are they? Do you agree? Did you feel last night? I felt last night watching the Chargers like, where have they been this year? That was my feeling when I flipped the game on. Was it did play the Browns like the previous week? Did you I mean, feel that way? Well, I mean, I flipped it on when they were playing the Browns. I I, I hate watching them, so I I seek them out okay. on the ticket. Right. <laughs> I think they had back to back weeks where they were on like the ten a.m. kickoff on the East Coast. You know, it was part of it. I I think you run into them more when they get into that stretch of just playing some of the divisional games and they're on the other window. Right? It's like they're playing the Raiders, they're playing the Chiefs. They, they have just had the stretch. Uh, where the Broncos have been the opposite, right? We've been inundated with Hackett and Russell. It's like, I, I feel like I fucking know everything about their team. Like, I know the whole, I could break it all down. It's crazy. I've watched more Bronco football this year than I have in the last five combined. Do you feel that way? I, I absolutely, they were the team <laughs> I was thinking about when I thought about teams that I've seen too much of. Their it's schedule, just, they still play. I think we still get some primetimers. I think we've got – somebody said yesterday we've got four primetime Broncos games still left. Well, we've already blown a couple. Right. But I think they might have had – like, isn't the max six or seven? I think the max is five. You can get flexed into a six. So we've already got them on Monday night. We've got them on Thursday night, and we've got them on Monday night again. So we've already got them. Oh, well, here's part of it. We The Broncos in two weeks play the Jags 6.30 a.m., so they must be abroad. So you're just in the lone window. Like, okay, do you so count that? Got, no, I don't count that. They've got a Sunday night week 14 game. What channel is that on? ESPN the, Plus. The Abroad? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Uh, what is this fucking, uh, the Sony Open? <laughs> First round, Thursday? I mean, the ESPN Plus. I don't think ESPN Plus ever had a game. I wonder. I don't think so. <laughs> Um, at least what was the story today? The Black Friday? Amazon's getting Black Friday? I, were, did you think it was something different when you saw the story? Why? It's not for... It's not this... It's in like two years, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I didn't really read it. I just saw the little headline. No, it's, I mean... It can't I, be for this year. Well, I guess Black Friday to Amazon, their big thing is Cyber Monday, right? It's like a 3 o'clock game, too. It's like a weird time. 3 p.m. Eastern. Oh, is that what it is? I thought it said 3 p.m. ET. So, yeah, I don't... So, noon Friday game? I, I Are they just trying to throw this guy shit? Just like, hey, man, we're, we're going to kick this fucking guy out of Washington. This is your gig. Next day delivery? The, the, it, listen, it starts... At, Dan, we'll get you... If Dan said today, okay, you guys all hate me. You guys all fucking hate me. Not what Dan said today. Dan has responded, and that's not what he said. <laughs> uh, but let's just say, hypothetically, that is what he said. I'll sell this goddamn team, you assholes. What's the number? Seven. Seven? The one thing you know is... They don't have a stadium. It's going to go up. That is what you know. If I hold on to this team for five... Whatever the number is, if I hold on for another five... What would you say the number is? It's going to be big. I, say it's five. a hard say one. There's, I think their stadium's really, really shitty. Say four. I know this. In no, five no. Years, it's, be, it's, it's more than the Broncos because their market, right? Okay, five. Five billion? Let's just say five. I would say, yeah, five and a half. Five, five and a half, fine. Here's what I know. If it's worth five and a half now, in five years, it'll be worth more than five and a half. And five years after that, it'll be worth more than that. So if you guys want to let me die in the vine with a shitty stadium, fine. But I'm not losing money every year. So Did you did you see a Dan comment? 
after Ursay talked? Or? Uh, yeah, Dan has released a statement. Um, uh, God damn it, stand by. It, I, I saw I saw an Apple um, notes. Here we go. I appreciate a good vindictive, like, you guys aren't shoving me around. Uh, or, or to me, Ursay, I mean, is he the best spokesman? <laughs> I, 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 um, it's like, if Dan would have come out and just said a simple, like, are you talking about the guy that got a DUI with the pills and the cash in the back seat like two years ago? Is is that the guy? Like that's to me, I would have I would have tweeted something like that from the commander's Twitter account, like at Jim Ursay. Weren't you the guy that got pulled over with all the cash and the pills and you couldn't pass a field sobriety test? Is that you or is that someone else? Ursay's like that is me. That you got nothing on me. All my shit's out there. <laughs> uh, Dan Snyder, it is highly inappropriate, but not surprising. So a little shot that Mister Ursay opted to make statements publicly based on falsehoods in the media. It's unfortunate that Mr. Ursay decided to go public with a statement today while an investigation's in process, and the team has no opportunity to formally respond to allegations. The commanders have... Yes. Would you would you call him Mr. Ursay? Would you say Jim if you were, if you were Dan? Uh, in some ways, both are passive-aggressive. Um, I might have gone Jimmy. Yeah, or Jimbo. <laughs> uh, multiple nicknames. James. <laughs> The commanders have made uh, remarkable progress over the past two years. We're confident that when he has an opportunity to see the actual evidence in the case, Mr. Ursay will no longer conclude that there is no reason for the Snyders to consider selling the franchise, period. And they won't, period. That's the best part. And they won't. Yeah, I'm sure once he sees the evidence of the case, Jim will take it all back. That's probably what's going to happen. We ain't selling, motherfuckers. And they won't. (laughs) That's the one thing I do wonder if you're another owner. You're like, Jim. All Dan is like, he will stay out of spite. Like, he will stay out of spite. You're making it harder for us to get rid of him. He will stay out of spite. Problem but, is, though, and listen, I've never known billionaires, but I've known some old, wealthier people. That they do not get more open to your input as time gets on. They, they are more, I mean, Jim Ursay, Jerry, some of these guys, I mean, even they would have to admit, I, I might only got under five years left. Right. I, I, Lee Trevino at the thing where they took the picture at the at the uh, St. Andrews, he basically said, I'm 80. The te- When this comes back, let's call a spade a spade. I ain't going to be back. <laughs> you know, like these guys, Jim Irsay knows, like, I did, how old would you guess Jim Irsay is? 77? Uh, 80? I was going to say like 81, but. I, I just think that I would. Yeah, he's younger than you think. Holy shit, he's, he's 63? 60. No, 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 no. That can't be right. Ursay's 63? Weather dude, man. No. That can't be correct. Uh, it doesn't seem right, but born 1959. Do the math. Wow. 69, 79, 89, 99, yeah. 109. <laughs> what was your guess? I was going to guess now 74 because Jerry's older than him. I was going to guess yeah, 75. Guess wow. 63 Ursa's feels got, pretty young. He's got a lot of time left, man. <laughs> yeah, he's got more time left. Okay. Wow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Did you see that Vin Scully's house just went on the market? You know, Vin passed with the great Vin Scully passed away. Yeah. Uh, his house is on the market for $15 million. Vin bought the house in 2009 for $12 million. How much was Vin making? Cash. <laughs> he paid $12 million cash for the house in 2009. Which is after a you know housing bubble. So Vin must have been making... I mean, yeah, he must have been making... I mean, clearly making multiple millions a year. He's been doing the job forever. So how many raises has he had? You think like, he's a saver? He might have been making probably. He might have been making multiple millions in the early 90s. Think about it. Like he would have been bigger in the 90s than he was even now, right? Like, but he wasn't making like John Madden money, right? No, but I just bet he'd been with the team since they moved, right? He'd been with the Dodgers since whatever, the 50s. So he'd just gotten multiple raises. And then you are when you're the radio guy, you're making the money. And you know what I mean? Like in the 80s, he's making he's the highest paid guy when you're yeah. the radio guy. Then you do some TV in the early days. Everybody like that's that was probably getting a higher rating in the 90s than it was even getting later. Right. True. Because it's just yeah. less competition. You're the Dodgers. You're the, the I bet the radio money was through the roof for a long time. You think it's diminished? I think the radio, yeah. I mean, the radio money. If you're, I'm not saying his money ever went down. I'm just saying I bet his radio money was probably way higher than we think it was for a long time. Well, he was one I of the voices of the NFL in the '80s too, right? That too. But I bet they were running ads on radio. They were fighting oh, yeah, advertisers yeah. on radio off with a stick for 60 years. Yeah, yeah. Dodgers radio. I bet it was ridiculous. Yeah. I because I was the same reaction. Like how? And even still, I'm like, I would love to know. But what I love about it is he bought a $12 million house in 2009, which is, what, 12 years ago? Well, he was over 90 when he passed. So he bought this humongous house. Where, do you know where? Uh, I mean, I some Santa house, Monica. Some L.A., I don't know. Yeah, It's the same area that uh, a bunch of people right now have a bunch of expensive real estate there. Like, it, I don't know if it's where Stafford has a house. But somebody selling some famous athlete selling a twenty million dollar house there right now. Remember the Staffords bought that house, redid it, and then they couldn't flip it. Hidden Hills. Well, they bought. I thought the Staffords bought a house and then bought the house next door from like Drake, and then knocked it down and built a big house. I got to be honest, Vince's house looks pretty sweet. Pool, tennis court, Hidden Hills. Okay. See, do you think he used the tennis court? I I think he had a big family, kids. Wanted him around. Yeah, just hey guys, we're gonna have a place. It's crazy in real estate, right? If you buy a house, let's say you buy a million dollar house, your house doubles. It's a really big deal, right? It goes to two. You buy one and you sell it for two. It's hard once you buy like ten million dollar house. You could sell it for fifteen, and it doesn't sound the same. Like it didn't double, but you actually made five million dollars, right? So you made a ton of money. It doesn't have to actually double. In this case, it kind of is, but. You actually just needed to go up like 30% and you make an astronomical amount of money. Whenever yeah. you see, like, I just saw like uh, on Golf Digest Instagram, like VJ Sings estate in Hawaii for sale at 25 million. Yeah, yeah. And same type deal, right? He he bought it in 06 for, you know, seven and a half. Because when you buy something for seven to eight to 12, more than likely you're not going to sell it for 40, right? Because like you could, 
like one day you could sell the house that you're living in for three X what you bought it on, but you buy something for $11 million. Like you're never selling it for 33 more than likely a lot. And, and these guys that go nuts like tiger or, you know, a, a Brady or a Jeter, like you get to like the $50 million. You're, you're, you're probably losing. It doesn't yes. even matter. It's just about like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is probably the coolest way to do a house. But I would imagine relatively quickly after you do it, you realize I probably didn't need to do that. (laughs) I don't ever. I can only be in one of these rooms at a time. (laughs) This. uh, Yeah. The drag racing jet ski strip. You know, we've only used once in seven years. But God damn, it was cool. Uh, Speaking of. um, of uh, Ursay, somebody said uh, maybe the sauce aged him from his powerlifting days. I did see the video going around today. He used to like squat 500 pounds or something or more. One thing I heard was one reason he really liked Grixon. They were lifting buddies. That's cool. So, you know, just get in with the owners. Do you think, uh, what will your take be if you see Joe Davis has purchased Ben Skelly's house. <laughs> Be like, wow. I mean, he must have he'd probably leave it to him. Forget about having him purchase it. I might send that link to Joe and ask him if he's uh, invested, if he's uh, if he's in. What do you think? You know, 7% interest rate is the recent rate. You know, you, you put 20% down. It's, your payment's pretty high on Scully's house. Maybe maybe if you take his, maybe you got his job and the house came with it. That would have been a nice, even you still got to pay the tax though. You know who was really rich? I remember when his estate and reading about it once I watched some of his episodes, the Johnny Carson house went for yeah. like 15 million in like 2000. Yeah. Well, imagine <laughs> no, Johnny what, was making 30 million in the like 80s. Yeah, think about like what these guys make now, but Johnny was killing like Johnny's ratings. These guys would murder for an eighth of Johnny's ratings, right? Johnny was probably doing super. I mean, he was probably doing college football ratings every night, maybe more like cha- like championship. Oh, yeah. You know, like 18 million people watch the national title. Johnny was probably doing like national title games on fucking Tuesday nights. Well, think about this. There wasn't a baseball, basketball, football, hockey. No one made more than Johnny Carson. Right. Right. It's not like Wayne Gretzky or Magic John- Magic signed for like one million dollars a year for twenty five million or, you know, twenty five a year or whatever his deal was. So, OK, so not quite national title rankings, but. But definitely the best college football games in a weekend, like Tennessee, Alabama, was eleven million. That's a big ass game, you know. Yeah, that's huge. Best will do like high ones, I you know, like eight, nine, that type of thing. Six. Johnny was doing nine million on like like when his show, not every night, but like good Johnny show would be nine million. He averaged four, so that's most of your college football games. Your big games, you might get like. Four or five games a Saturday that do four million viewers. Well, college football is the number two sport in America, right? The NFL does the yeah, highest ratings. They right, do the right, second. Right. So, and all these games are national, unlike NFL games. So you get more national games. So like Don Saturday. Rickles would be his Tennessee, Alabama. Yeah. So you exactly. <laughs> Don would come on. They'd do a nine. He was averaging four. Uh, in 91, he averaged six and a half, actually. Sorry. Six that, and was that his last year? I think it was his last year. So that was probably big. He averaged uh, his last week on air, 19 million a night. So he did average a national championship a night for five days. So how did people, and I guess I kind of did, 
I can't stay up that late anymore. I don't understand. All of my, America my, must my, have been my, so my tired. Da- my dad did. My Everybody. dad loved him. My dad loved Saturday Night Love. Saturday Night Live would come on at Saturday. Yeah, true. Letterman coming on at eleven thirty at night. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Well, and now Johnny would have been ten, probably right. But also, you work nine to five. You go nine o'clock. You'd be in at work. People now are like, you know, on the Zoom by probably seven forty-five. I don't know. That's true. A little less pressure in the uh, workforce, maybe. I don't know. But if you well, his numbers have been way man. higher, if you just would have put Johnny at nine instead of you know, that's what you know. 10, remember, 30? that's what they tried to do with um Conan. No, Jay. Remember they put Jay at ten and it did not work. But it, to me, it's different. Like, you maybe you're right. That setup. Like, do you want to watch that at like eight, nine o'clock? I don't know. People are watching their other. I just can't stay up that way. I don't know. I know. How they did it. I know. Uh, we got. I mean, we, we were going to talk about Mac Jones, but Albert Breer says the relationship has gone sideways. We talk about him tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll get that on the next show. See what happens. Him and just something to chew on your brain. One thing Breer said was that Josh McDaniels and Mac were very close. What is that? What are you insinuating about Josh I'm, not, I'm just I'm not insinuating anything. What did you call me? Could you see a player for player trade this offseason? Well, Belichick wouldn't pivot off uh, Zappy, huh? No, well, yeah. I, I love people to start talking about it. Zappy's started two games. Let's just pump the brakes on Bailey Zappy here for a second. What is Bailey Zappy at Justin Fields Monday Night Football? God. Get ready. I, the Bears are getting a little too much love here in important games. What Jesus is going on? Christ. Is that CC Zabathia? No, a little skinnier. All right. Uh, thanks for hanging with us, everybody. Anything else to add? Did you think Sirianni looked exhausted the other night? Uh, I think he's got a serious Aaron Boone like eye thing going where they just look like look they tired. do not sleep. Yeah. Yeah. But I, he's always, I think that's just naturally kind of, he's got this deep, he's got these deep set eyes. He's got a good look. I like. I, I do think there is a stress level at certain jobs that probably is pretty intense. The thing with Sirianni is when you just look at his face, you know, remember there used to be like the quarterback thing, like is yeah. his face symmetrical? Sirianni's thing is to me, when you look at his face, he just looks fun. Like if you just, Sirianni, no expression, looking straight ahead, I, I would look at him and think, I bet that guy's fun to hang out with. You see Sirianni screaming at, I don't know if it was Cowboy or the other. Yeah, the, well, well, fuck you. Yeah, I don't know. Just high energy. It gets pissed off. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for hanging with us, everybody. Appreciate it. Later. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.